This is an Our Savior Evangelical Free Church podcast. To learn more, visit osefc.org. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're calling this new sermon series the best chapter in the Bible, not because we want to be over the top with hyperbole, but because we really do believe that if you're going to have a discussion about what chapters of Scripture people should spend their time meditating on, should let transform them by the renewing of their minds, Romans 8 has to be part of the discussion. It begins with, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It ends with nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, and in between is so much more. I really believe that this new sermon series could be my most important as pastor of our Savior Church. And so as we begin this series, let's pray and let's ask for God's help. Please join me in this word of prayer. God, as we continue to live through these uncertain days, where so much of our normal has been stripped away or put on hold. We look to you and your spirit for guidance. Our hope is firm in you, but we admit that at times we are unsure, and so we ask that you would light our steps now, that you would be a light unto our path. And I pray over many of the next weeks that you would do that, that you would answer this prayer to make a way for us to light our path from Romans chapter 8. It is indeed one of the best chapters in the Bible. I pray that the things that I have prepared, the things that I believe you've led me to, would be helpful and encouraging for our church as we look to the days ahead. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, let's read. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. We're going to go slowly through this chapter so you can get used to this pace. Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Church, these next few months in our life together, in the life of our church, may be the most important since our first few months. And that was back all the way in 1956. And I don't say that because I have no appreciation for other critical times in our history Or I think the world is coming to an end. As Christians, we believe that we're always one day closer to heaven than we were the day before. But that's true of every day. I don't believe there's any reason to think that the world is ending more than there was in January or in October of last year. The reason that I think the next couple of months are so crucial is because the way that we are used to living has changed so much 
But what comes next might be even more challenging, especially to our faith. These past few months have been really hard, emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. In response to that, our communities, our cities, have kind of hit a pause button. Many of us are are still going to work. We're still trying to keep some semblance of normal, having some kind of routine. But the only way to describe this time is just to say something like, it's been really strange. Now, we're, we're still a ways off from this as a, a city and as a state, but at some point in the next couple of months, we anticipate our governor beginning to ease the stay-at-home order, and the guidelines from our federal government will expand to allow for more in-person gatherings. I still believe it's going to be a while before we can meet together as a whole church family. But what I wanted to do was, as we begin to anticipate the next set of challenges and what it might look like to process all of that for us as Christians, I wanted to prepare us with something that would sort of bridge the gap. Bridge the gap. When you build a bridge, you don't start right where the cliff begins. The bridge actually starts on level ground long before the cliff, where the ground is still stable, and then it takes you all the way over the ground to where it's stable again. I know things aren't stable right now. And there's no way I can possibly build a bridge long enough from when they used to be stable, if that ever was a thing, to when they will be normal again. When we're back on level ground. But what I, was go- what I want to try to do is to start now. While things are like this, like they are now, anticipating that at some point the next phase is coming. And this sermon series will carry us, I hope, through that change and back to a place where I think at least some of us can meet together again. So that's what we're doing here. We're bridging a gap. We're starting where things are now, anticipating that that there's going to be a a, a time coming and then we want to carry us through to the other side of that. And to do all of that, I couldn't imagine a much better place, any better place, than Romans chapter 8. Paul's letter to the Romans is the greatest theological treatise ever written. And chapter 8 marks the turn between what was and what will be. It's the bridge of Romans, and chapter 8 is the bridge of the gospel. The theme of this chapter is assurance. It starts by saying, there is now no condemnation in Christ, verse 1, and ends by saying there is no separation from God because of Christ, in verse 39. In between those two verses, under the banner of assurance, 
are two sub-themes. Spiritual life and suffering. Where one exists, we are sure to experience some of the other. Spiritual life and suffering. There is a new life for us in the Spirit. You can't lose it. And there will be suffering, but God won't lose you. Romans 8 mentions the Holy Spirit more than any other chapter in the Bible. In Romans, this chapter uses the word spirit more than twice as much as the rest of Romans combined. And the reason for that is the question that Romans 8 asks. The question that it's asking is what? After we have sinned and disobeyed God, and we have gone our own way and made idols for ourselves, after that, what does God give us? And the answer is that God gives us himself. He gives us his son, and then he puts his spirit inside of us. There are no commands in Romans 8. When you ask the question, what is he going to do after our sin? We might expect that God answers that by saying, I've given you commands. Why haven't you done them? We, expect, we may expect a scolding from God in Romans 8. But instead he says, I am giving you myself. Because my law will only condemn and bind you, and I want you free. And the way I free you is by putting my law on your heart. To see the magnitude of Romans 8, we have to look back at chapter 7. So in that previous chapter, Paul has said we're not under the old law anymore. 7, 1 to 6, it says that we were once married. That's a picture that's given. We were once married to the law, but now we're married to Christ. And Paul says that that's incredible news because he takes the, the next step in, in verses 7 to 12 to say that the law can't save us. The law can only condemn. And the final part of the previous chapter, 7, shows us why the beginning of chapter 8 is so powerful. At the end of 7, Paul says that even though we are free because of grace, we're still going to struggle with sin. The way he says that is the things that he wants to do, he doesn't always do, and the things that he does sometimes are not the things that he wants to be doing. And it's in the midst of that, in the midst of, not after, and that's important, in the midst of our struggle with sin, we get Romans 8.1. This is not after we have ended sin or conquered sin or sin no longer plays a part in our lives. This is in the midst of sin that we come to Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
It's not a promise for those who have vanquished the enemy of sin. You can't do that. This isn't a promise for the highly advanced Christian. There's no such thing. It's actually an argument to say that all of us come from the same place, and we're in the midst of the same place, and for those of us who are in Christ, we're headed toward the same place. Anyone can have this promise because it's for everyone who is in Christ. Condemnation is the opposite of justification. This is the undoing of what Paul said in Romans 5.16. Romans 5.16 says, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, who means Adam. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Paul only uses the word condemnation three times in all his letters. It's in Romans 5, 16. Very similar thing is said in Romans 5, 18, just two verses after that. He says that condemnation brought by sin is undone by the justification won by Jesus on the cross, both in 5.16 and 5.18. And then in Romans 8, he says that condemnation is no more. This new way of seeing things is so significant because it completely reverses the way we see our past and look forward to our future. Many people struggle with their future because of the failures of the past. Romans 8.1 says that your past is no longer your affair. It's the way Ray Ortland says it. In fact, spiritually, it says it is no longer even your past. It is the past of the old you. But you are a new you. And the new you has a sure future free of condemnation and full of hope in God. And that is a true promise for anyone who is in Christ Jesus. That phrase, in Christ, that might seem like an odd expression to us. But the New Testament books use it all all the time because it really is the best way to describe the total change that anybody who is in Christ, that any Christian has undergone. To be in Christ means that you have believed in him, you have accepted him, and now you live for and with him. And we say in Christ because he is as much a part of us as we are of ourselves. Now imagine a friend calls you on the phone and asks, hey, where are you? And you say, well, you're at home because that's where we're always at right now. But let's pretend we can go places. And so you say you are someplace else. But instead of saying the place that you are, you say, I'm in my body. Well, of course you are in your body. Where else would you be? But that's the point. For Christians, we are in Christ 
to the same degree we are in our own bodies. Even more than the place we are sitting or standing, we are in Christ. Right now, you're in your family room or at your kitchen table. But here's why it's even more true than that, that you are in Christ. If your house was hit by a meteor or something less less dramatic, you can no longer live at your home. You wouldn't be at home anymore, but you would still be in Christ. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever happens to you, you are still in Christ. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8, 39, those who are in Christ will never be separated from God. It is more true to say that you are in Christ than than to say that you are in or you are anywhere else. Things have changed. More things will change. We really don't know what the next weeks and months hold or what they will bring, but we can be sure of this. Whatever happens, those who are in Christ will remain in Christ. The way to remember that you are in Christ is by thinking less about yourself and more about Christ. You are a new creation in him. The old has passed away, the new has come. Spend your time thinking about what is ahead of you, not your old life behind you. That's verse 1, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we have two laws. Verse 2 is about beginning to understand our new life, being transferred from one law and now being under a new law. This is a new kind of relationship with God. The law of sin and death is the law that God gave his people through Moses in Exodus. All that law could do is shame and condemn. And the reason that's all it had the power to do was that it was given outside of us and the law always remained outside of us. The law told us how to live, but knowing how to live is rarely the problem. When we sin, the problem is almost never that we didn't know what we were doing was a sin. It's that we were, for all intents and purposes, powerless within ourselves to stop it. And now that's not to say that we're not responsible. But on your own, you cannot overpower sin. We cannot overcome sin on our own. We lack that power. All we can do is be condemned and die under sin. 
And that's the vicious cycle of sin and the law. The more you try to obey the law, the more you fail and it condemns you. And so you try harder to justify yourself from under the law. Freedom, though, from the law comes when we trust the Spirit inside of us to pull us out of that death spiral and put us under a new law. The law of Christ, Paul calls it here. The law of the Spirit is not like the law of sin and death. The law of sin, the law of death, looks at our obedience, at our obedience, and we never measure up. We're never perfectly obedient. We're never obedient enough. The law of the Spirit looks at Christ's obedience, and he is always obedient enough. The law of death puts us under the old representative for humanity. We're under Adam's sin. The law of the Spirit puts us under the new representative for humanity, Jesus, who was spotless. The old law was written on tablets, stone tablets. It was given outside of us. The new law is written on our hearts. That's why it can set us free. The former law could only condemn. It was from outside of you and can only show you where you failed. The law of Christ is inside of you. And when you fail, it can change you and you can be forgiven. The law of sin and death could only bind you. The law of the Spirit sets you free. God knows our past. He knows what you have done. He saw you under the old law. He knows you're guilty before it. Yet he says, come to me anyways. Yet he says, I don't want you to have to labor under that old burden any longer. I want to put a new law. I don't want to write it on the wall. I don't want to write it on a tablet. I don't want to put it anywhere outside of you. I want to give you a new law and I want to put it on your heart. And I want to come, I want to live inside of you, so that when you break the old law, the new law that lives inside of you can heal you, and redeem you, and restore you, and let you walk in freedom. And so, wherever you've been in the past is no longer where you are now. That's no longer your concern. God literally says to us in his word, the old has passed away and the new has come. Paul says he was an old man in his former life, but he's a new man in the life that he has now. The metaphor that scripture uses is not a little bit better. It's not something, a change has occurred. It's that you're not even the same person you used to be. You're a new creation. And everybody in Christ Jesus is a new creation.
The old has passed away and the new has come. Do you feel like you're far away from God? You might feel that way, but that's not how God feels about you. He is saying, I am right here. A lot of times we say, come to him. And that's true. You should come to God. But in a much more powerful sense, God has already said because of the life of his son, Jesus Christ, I have come to you. And not just I want to come and be near you. I want to come and I want to live inside of you. I want to come and I want to take my spirit and I want my spirit to come and indwell you. I want to write a new law in you. And I want it to be true that I am so a part of you, that we are so knit together, that you are so tied into me, that the only way that I can say that is you are no longer even in yourself as much as I am in you. And then wherever you go, Whatever you do, whatever happens to you, the most true thing about you will be to say that you are in Christ. In the days, of, in the days ahead, we're going to have to make a lot of decisions. For right now, some of those decisions are made for us. and We don't have a lot of places to go or things to do. But in the coming days, we'll probably have some opportunities to venture out more, perhaps gather together, get, get together in more social type situations. And with those decisions are going to come a whole range of personal opportunities and personal freedoms. For some of us, it's going to be better that we stay distant, whether it's on our own conscience, whether it's for our own health. For others of us, we're going to do things uh, a little bit more like uh, we've been itching to do, which are a little bit more normal. In all of those things, I want you to remember this. You are in Christ. Make your decisions as one in Christ. Encourage those around you as one who is no longer under the law of sin and death, but you are now under the law of Christ. When you are unsure about what to do, remember that where you go and who you are is in Christ. You are no longer in yourself even as much as you are in Christ. So live in that. Hold on to that. Live from that. And remember that there's no condemnation where you are. And nothing can separate you from the love of God where you are. For if you are in Christ, you are there right now. It's not where you will be one day. It's where you are right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you 
that you've taken the old law, sin and death, that existed outside of us, and you've put a new law in our hearts, the law of Christ. May we walk in freedom and assurance because of that law. May we know that we are secure in you. For Jesus is our everything. I pray in his name. Amen. Our Savior Evangelical Free Church is a congregation located in Wheeling, Illinois. Our vision can be summed up in four words. Building community, bringing Christ. To learn more about what these words mean, visit our website at osefc.org.